third and one. From the 23 yard line, Tanner again to the outside and without his helmet. Look at everybody on the sideline. That's what you love to see in a young player. He has kept fighting all night long. Helmet comes off. I guarantee you the defense was still playing. Arkin got a little shot down the field. That one will be remembered by Jason Garrett and company. Cowboys Nation, welcome to another episode of the Writer's Block Podcast on this Victory Tuesday because it's a victory week here in Cowboys Nation. We don't stop celebrating after a win, especially over the Washington Commanders. I'm here with my co-host, Brandon Laurie. Brandon, it's that time of week again. I missed you, my friend, but we are joined by somebody else who we are just so excited to have on the show, and um, you may or may not know him as the beast, the man, (laughs) the myth, the legend, Philip Tanner. Philip, PT, we are so excited to have you. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. We are just, like, elated to talk to you about football. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely excited to be here, man. I love talking ball. As you can see, uh, every Sunday, whenever the Cowboys playing, I'm, like, live-tweeting the entire game. Yeah. You know, I just uh, – I love the team. Uh, I love the organization. I love everything. I love the fan base. I love everything about them. Well, you know what? You came to the right podcast because so do we, and we love talking all things uh, Dallas Cowboys football, and it's just so much easier that uh, we're talking after a win. So uh, for those of you that don't know, maybe a little bit about PT, uh, PT, give us a background, a little background scope of yours, because we have so much to cover, but I want them to know, like, how incredible you are with (laughs) everything you're about to say. You're about to give some really good insight. And PT has a very well-renowned moment in his career um, that I'll let him get into. But go ahead, tell the people all about you. And don't even be humble about it. Brag away, my friend. (laughs) Uh, I definitely appreciate those words for sure. Uh, Again, I'm a a Dallas native, you know, from Dallas. Grew up in Dallas. uh, Worked Texas Stadium, you know, in in the Deion Sanders days and all of the the glory days, as Jerry called them. So I uh, worked Texas Stadium concession stands. And then, you know, 2011 lockout year, I was able to have an opportunity to go out and make this football team. Um, and it, uh, it was in San Antonio. It was tough. It was rough. It was right after the lockout year. So uh, it wasn't the glitz and glamour. It wasn't a rookie uh, preseason. It wasn't rookie mini camps. It was get a phone call on Monday, get to San Antonio on Wednesday. You know, and that was one of the most brutal training camps. You never saw the sun, you know, because we was at the Hyatt. You know, you got on the bus. Uh, under the hotel that you went to Alamo Dome, which was indoors, you know, but it was a, it was a humbling experience. And it taught me so much about, you know, the game of football and also the Dallas Cowboy organization. So making that team and uh, playing three, four years in Dallas and, and getting close with Jason Garrett and uh, the organization. And one thing about the Cowboys is they take care of their players, you know, so to be able to play for the organization for as long as I did and then to leave and going to, uh, couple more years with San Francisco and Buffalo but I always wanted to go into coaching started coaching on college level then had a little uh, small time in high school then to get a call from Jason Garrett to tell me he wanted me to come back and coach on his uh, coaching staff was was truly amazing you know and it just goes to show the 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 character of uh, Jason Garrett but also the character I myself was kind of on display because regardless of the business regardless of me not resigning in Dallas and me not playing 15 years because Fans feel that a player never should, you know, get released or never should get uh, should not resign at a team. But it's the business, 
it's, it's all a business. So to be able to differentiate or see the difference between the business side and also the personal side between the player and that, that relationship me and Coach Garrett still have to this day is unbelievable. And it just speaks to not only him, but just the organization with Dallas Cowboys because it, it starts from the top. You know, Jerry Jones does it too, how you still can walk around hand-in-hand with Des Bryant, you know, and, and, and that's his just go-to guy. So it just it just goes to show how much of a uh, a true person, the true character of not only Jerry Jones, but everybody in the Dallas Cowboys organization. So, again, it, it, it's hard not to be a fan of, of the team regardless of the ups, downs, who's sitting in the head coaching seat or not, you know, the same way it was the emotional uh, way of, of, of coach Garrett, not signing, you know, JG not coming back and JG leaving that organization. And it was the first time in Cowboys history that it wasn't a Garrett on staff, you know, and, and, and we talked about that from him, his dad, his brothers, the scouting department. So again, it is, it's a very family oriented relate uh, uh, atmosphere from the, the owner to the custodial staff to the cafeteria works at Mays. I mean, everything there is so family oriented and that's what, you know, I enjoy about this football team. Yeah, it's, it truly is an honor PT. I know we talked about a pre-show. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, like I said, the year that you came into the league was the year I really took sports journalism, started to look at it on a serious level. And uh, one thing I've always admired about former players is when you guys get into coaching after your career, yeah. because I think that, it's it shows a sign of commitment not only to the community but to be a leader of men and now that you're you know a head football coach of i believe it is uh southwest high school in yes, fort sir. worth yes, and sir. you know to be able to get that opportunity how has that been for you to be a head coach and now to be in the shoes of someone like a jg a mike mccarthy yeah. and look at it from another side yeah i will say one thing is if, if you ever want to stop coaching football become a head coach <laughs> you do i mean it, it, it's it's everything except coaching now you know, uh, but it's truly an honor, man. I've, I've always wanted to go into the coaching side. So being under guys like a Jason Garrett, you know, and, and learning what I, what, I, what I would do that JG would do, but also at the same time, things I would do differently from JG, you know, as well as being under guys, even like Rick Stockstill, my head coach at Middle Tennessee, just, just their personalities and how they go about the business of coaching. And then again, it, it's Texas high school football and it, it's a different world in Texas, you know? So if you look at it, I can just name all uh, four guys from that Cowboys organization, three are head coaches. Now I, myself, Jason Witten, John Kitna, and then we got Jumbo Joe Looney has just jumped into uh, to the coaching world in Texas as well. So Texas high school football is, is, is very respectable and it's truly an honor to be in such a, a members only club. And that was one of those things I, I wanted to definitely be around the game. I wanted to definitely be around the game at, at, at a high level and Texas high school football. It, it gives me all of that. It's still giving me the time that I need to spend with my daughters as well. So it's, it's, it's truly an honor to be in this, uh, in this atmosphere, in this career. Uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. And you know what I love? I was reading um, some articles that were were done on you. And at one point you said, I wanted to go from being successful to being yeah, significant. Yeah, and yeah. I think that just speaks volumes about your character, who you are as a person and as a coach. So I think those yeah. kids are so, so lucky to to have you to look after. And you're essentially becoming their Jason Garrett like he, he oh, is definitely. to you. So I think I think that's beautiful. So, um, yeah, again, if you didn't know who PT was, you do now. And he is amazing. And there's 
there's a, a great reason why we have him on the podcast. He's, he's a good guy. And he has some fire tweets. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you definitely <laughs> should. So, hey, you know what? We're talking all things Cowboys football. And I want to get your initial reaction. How do you think the Cowboys played so far in the season? And what was something that really stood out to you about this commander's game with the team as a whole, uh, you know, whether it be specifics, offensively, defensively, special teams, give me the rundown on, on what you're seeing so far with the, the team this season. Man, one thing I will say with the team I've seen this year, it, it's you can tell uh, the chemistry and the closeness in that locker room. Uh, I will say that uh, and just, just speaking of when I played in Dallas, it, we weren't that close. Uh, and you could just kind of tell on the field at times. And, and that's no shade to anyone, anything like that. It's just, that's just being brutally honest. But you can just tell these guys love playing with each other. They, they, they love being around each other. And uh, you can tell that the culture and the foundation is laid. And you can just tell when they go out there. Because even when the offense is not doing as well, the defense will pick them up. The special teams will pick them up. And you can just tell that from all three phases of the football game that these guys are, are locked in. And, and they're out there having fun. They're out there having fun, and it shows every time they take the grass that they're out there having fun, and they're learning. You can tell they're still growing. You can see the growth from week one to uh, yesterday, you know, from the things that they have gotten better at and the things they're working on. So I'm excited about the direction that this team is headed in. Uh, of course, we got MG back. You know, I'm a huge Michael Gallup fan, you know. So seeing MG come back and also MG come back and continue doing MG things uh, was very exciting to see yesterday. Specifically with – Cooper Rush, I think that's the storyline that everybody's talking about. Yeah. And specifically in 2013, you guys had a guy by the name of Kyle Orton as your backup. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end yeah. of the season, you know, Tony Romo gets hurt against Washington. Kyle Orton steps yeah. in and he performed well against the Eagles. Unfortunately, the game didn't turn out the way Cowboys fans wanted. But talk about how important it is to have someone like uh, an experienced backup at that position and how well Cooper Rush has played so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go further back. I'll go back to John Kidner. You know, if you look at it with, with, with Kit, you know, when Kit was able to step in, you know, and, and, and that back a roll to a starter and, and rip off wins, uh, it's exciting. It's really an encouragement to have. And it goes to the scouting department and the coaching staff to be able to grab a guy, a guy like Cooper Rush that JG beat the table for. And it was a lot of people say, ah, I don't, I don't know, JG. I don't know about Cooper Rush. So I think with all Cooper Rush success, we got to step out and say, JG, you, we got to give JG his, uh, his, uh, his flowers for believing in Cooper Rush. Because even when we let Cooper Rush go, JG was the first one to grab him in New York. You know, like, oh, Cooper, come here. So and that's one thing about – and JG know it because JG was in that role. JG was in that role, okay? So when, when Aikman go down, okay, now JG's in that role. So he could kind of understand – who Cooper Rush was. I don't know if it was the hair color or what, but again, he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, I love that. He, he, he definitely believed in him, man. And you've seen it every day at practice, man. He would beat the tape one staff meetings for Cooper Rush. Uh, again, you could just tell the chemistry that, you know, even when him coming out with Noah Brown, the reps that they would take at practice on scout team and things like that. So I'm excited to see Cooper Rush, uh, his success and his accomplishment because the kid's been working. He's been working his tail off since the moment he stepped in the league. And I'm glad you brought up a, a guy like Noah Brown because something yeah. that going into the season was very highly scrutinized was the wide receiver group. And yeah. 
uh, them being so young and, and the lack of really a veteran presence, especially now that Michael Gallup's back, that changes the dynamic of things. But what have you seen so far from this wide receiver group and them being so young? Um, who do you feel like has the most potential to really have a successful year this year? Um, you know, and, and really why? What have you seen so far from all of that? Yeah, of course, Noah Brown. And I think Noah Brown is just going to continue to grow. Uh, I think at time when he first came to the league, kind of put him in a box of, okay, he's just a special teams guy or he's just an ace-back type guy. They just can block. But when you throw the ball to the kid, he makes plays. And those are the same plays I've seen for two years at at, work, at practice, seeing the kid make over and over and over and him just staying persistent, you know, battling through injuries, you know, staying persistent, staying resilient. And it, it, it's all paying off for him. Uh, I think I spoke on Twitter. I was like, oh, he's he's a, he's the next Cedric Wilson. You know, uh, when 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 Sed got in, Sed didn't have the big name or the glamour, but whenever Sed got in, he made impactful plays. And that's the same thing with Noah Brown. You know, Noah's not going to be a guy that's going to stand up and say, oh, demand me the ball, anything like that. He's going to be a great team player. He's going to continue doing everything he do on special teams. And when his number is called, he's going to go make plays. So that's what I'm excited. I think Noah's one of the most exciting guys that, I myself is looking forward to for him just not only this year, but just in his, his future in the league because he, he, he deserves it. You know, he's a guy that I said, uh, a grinder. We call them alley dogs, man. Those special teams guys that are able to go ahead and find him a role on offensive defense. You know, one of the guys I was close to was Barry Church and Danny McRae. You know, those are two guys that came in and just grinded on special teams and then found a role on defense. So we kind of have a, a, a close spot in our heart for the guys that, for the special teamers, you know, that come out and, and carve them out a role on offense. So I think Noah Brown is one of the guys that I'm most excited for this season. And talking about your position, I know specifically the running backs didn't have a historic day uh, against the commanders, but overall the hype around this group is is real. I mean, you have yeah. someone like Zeke, Pollard, and Dowdle, even in the preseason, Malik Davis, like you're talking about yeah, these preseason yeah. guys. And you back in 2012, it was you, Murray, and Felix Jones. So how, what have you seen from this running back group, and how awesome is it to see you know three guys step in that when one's out, they just it, it's like they don't miss a step? Man, two words, Skip Pete. You know, Skip Pete was the guy that brought me into Dallas. You know, Skip Pete brought me to Dallas in that running back room was me, Felix, Tashar, Choice, DeMarco Murray. Uh, then after that, it was uh, Lance Dunbar came in that room. And also then uh, Joseph Randall came in that room. And it was just what Skip Pete had already laid the foundation from the Marion Barber days, you know. Uh, so from MB, from that culture that Skip Pete laid the foundation in this room. You know, Skip P had the foundation. Uh, GB came back with the same mindset in that room that we're here together. It's not about who get the most carries. It's not about who does this. If it was DeMarco Murray playing, I just get in on third down roll. It was never a uh, any jealousy or enviness toward any of us. You know, we competed. We, we stuck together. It was a real close group. And it was because our leader. You know, it's the same thing with Skip P. You know, that's why those guys are able to be so close together with the Zeke, the Pollards. And no matter how much the media try to separate those guys and bring strife between that, that running back room, Skip Pete is a guy that steps in and, and let those guys know, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do. It was the same thing when Skip was in uh, with the Rams. It went when, uh, what's my guy named, uh, Anderson, when he came in and started ripping off runs. Skip, Skip does a really good job of managing his players in that room and having full control of his room. So I think with, with Skip Pete being there, that was a great asset to bring back to the Dallas Cowboys. 
And so kind of switching gears to the defensive side of the yeah, ball, yeah. because there's one player you already know we're going to discuss, yeah. and that's Michael Parsons. And in, in, your, in your football career, and even just as, uh, you know, a fan of the game your entire life, really, how often is it that you see a guy – of the the caliber that Micah Parsons is. I mean, he's just so impactful on the yeah. field and his mindset, his focus, his determination, his flexibility, his versatility. There's just yeah, so yeah. many things you can say about this guy. What have you seen from Micah, uh, you know, last year and this year? And how do you think um, – his career can really get any better. I mean, he's already in the, in the talk for defensive player of the year. I mean, this, this guy is incredible. What have you seen from Micah? Oh man, he, I've seen some from Micah. I've never, never seen from a player. And I played with some really good players uh, playing with DeMarcus where, you know, is one of the, one of the best to ever do it at that position. But I think what separates Micah is his flexibility, his position flex. You know, that's what really uh, separates him. And watching guys like uh, Aaron Donald, who is also, you know, arguably the best player in the game right now. But I think Micah does so much. And he's he's five positions in one. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he, anything you can ask for him. And Dan Quinn is doing a great job with, with uh, being able to utilize him and get all those out of him. You know, when he first came in the league, he was like, okay, cool. Is he a stand-up backer or should he play end? And he had a couple of plays against the great Tom Brady. And they were like, oh, well, maybe he's not a stand-up backer. But the kid was just, you know, he was just resilient. He just stayed at it and he stayed to the course. And and being with Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn pouring into him and really building that kid up, uh, I, I, I've never seen anything like him. Everybody talk about comparing him to Lawrence Taylor. i never seen LT play. You know, but from what I'm hearing, you know, he's he's the closest thing, if not better. And that, and then that's not taking anything away from LT. And even LT said it. I like to see what he looks like in the next 13 years. But again, Micah does so much. And when you, when you go into him, it's only so much the offense can do for a guy today that, OK, if he's at the end, we know this. But Micah's covering. He was covering slot receivers. You know, he's coming off the edge. He's blitzing the A gap. So he's he's definitely a nightmare. And even with just the defense in general, how when you're watching this team on a Sunday, do you have the urge to want to play with these guys? You know, you just get the sort of feeling that this group as a whole on defense is special and that when an offense kind of hits a speed bump with, yeah. you know, Dak Prescott goes down, Cooper Rush steps in, how much when a defense steps up and kind of carries the team, how much pressure does that take off an offense? You know, just say, hey, listen, if we make a mistake or if there's a shank punt like happened on Sunday, yeah. you know, we the defense is going to hold ground and they're not going to score any points. Man, as much of an offensive guy I am, you know, I'll admit that defense sets the tempo on teams. You know, <laughs> the, the defense lays the bricks. They, they, they set the tempo. So, again, as an offense, when you know that even if we're not at our best, we're good, man, that, that's a wonderful feeling to have. Now, you know, if, oh, well, we only got to go score two touchdowns. We still going to be in this game to win it. That's a great feeling to have. Now, uh, on, on the opposite side, you don't want to have to go and say, oh, we got to go score 40 points. If we got if we got to score 40 points, that's a bad feeling to have as a team. But to go out and say, man, we scored 14 to 17 points, we'll win this football game. That's a great feeling to have. And offense is relaxing. It, it, it's, it's easy to go out there from an offense perspective, offensive player, offensive coach, knowing that whatever the case may be, the defense got our back. Hey, something I did want to ask you was from a player, you know, 
you have a different perspective of the game than fans do. And so if anything, you know, you're on Twitter, so you, yeah. you see how those fans react to things and, and you've seen, you know, the quarterback conversation or alleged competition between <laughs> Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. What would your message be to fans who, you know, are maybe part of that conversation that should be non-existent, but it is. And talk about Dak Prescott specifically, the, um, I guess the, key aspects and the the key things you see within him as a player as a person as a starting quarterback and and really how that role is so impactful for the rest of the team and and uh go into Dak we haven't had a, a good Dak conversation and I feel like you have a really good insight for why Dak is so important to this team uh Dak is important to this team for for so for so many more things he does outside of between the hashes the man he is in that locker room is who makes Dak Dak. And that team is behind Dak. Uh, Cooper Rush is behind Dak. You know, uh, he he loves Dak. Dak pours into Cooper. You know, again, that's another solid room. You know, if, if Cooper's biggest cheerleader right now is number four. You know, and that just goes to show the, the carrots of number four and what he does. He's a great leader now. He's a great leader. Uh, I, I haven't been around a better leader than Dak Prescott. You know, just the little things that Dak does before a game at practice, uh, something simple as before every game, Dak goes and daps up everybody on the grass. Coaches, players, trainers, everybody. And if you're not looking, he's going to get your attention just to speak to you before a game. So it, it's a little thing like that that Dak Prescott does that a lot of people doesn't see. And that's why that team, the organization, is behind him. That's why I was either okay, cool, this is our guy. This is our guy going forward because he's earned it. You know, his leadership ability, his leadership characteristic, and then his play. You know, those guys get behind Dak Prescott, and they play behind Dak, Dak Prescott, and uh, he's, he's the guy. I, I was waiting. I was going to ask that question next. I'm happy <laughs> Jess yeah. was able to get your perspective on it. The other thing, speaking of your coaching experience, Mike McCarthy came into the season on the hot seat. You know, not a lot of people were giving him a lot of credit for, um, you know, taking the team to the playoffs and not succeeding and mm -hmm. entering, you know, now this season where Dak Prescott gets hurt. Everyone's like, that's it. You know, this is that it's all over for Mike McCarthy. What have you seen from this coaching staff, this resilience of not only from him, but someone like a Dan Quinn taking the load off of the offense from someone like Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore, Justin from week one to now week two, three and four. What have you seen from the coaching staff from your perspective on that and how successful they've been able to be in this past like three game stretch? Yeah, for, for one, uh, that's, that's just a nature of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you come in, you win one game, you're going to win a Super Bowl, you lose the first game. Yeah, you should be fired. You know, so that's just that's just the nature of the beast. JG did it for over ten years. Have to deal with it. Uh, but again, one thing I see from this coaching staff is they're figuring it out. They're figuring it out, uh, and and that's what they're doing week to week is is figuring things out. Um, and that's why I say you can just see the growth of this team. You can also see that. I mean, yeah, he has great coordinators and Kellen Moore, and then Bones is one of the best in the business with special teams. You know, and then he has Dan Quinn. So he got pretty much it's, it's four head coaches on that staff. You know, as forehead coaches, so that 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 makes things better. And, and this guy's is is not it's not a big ego guy, you know. Uh, so that they're, they're there, they work together well, and they're all good in, in their prospective coordinator uh, spots. And I think that that's what sets this coaching staff apart. 
you know, that they got guys that can figure it out. You know, of course, they have the weapons, and it always makes it easier. But it's a guy that figure it out. You know, my left guard go down. Oh, let's go sign this guy. You know, Tyron Smith goes down early. Let's go get this guy. And that's also kudos to the uh, to the scouting department. Uh, I don't think is any scouting department better than the Dallas Cowboys as far as how they uh, mesh and how they connect and how the relationship they have with the coaching staff. So to be to see Will McClay in the box, you know, with a headset on with Dan Quinn, you know, things like that is what kind of separates this coach and staff. And it, it's the idea, but we're figuring it out, you know, putting our egos aside and we're going to go figure it out. We'll figure out how to win ball games. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so switching gears a little bit now, uh, obviously the Cowboys coming off of a three streak win. I mean, I don't think anybody imagined that when Dak went down decks, like it's kind of crazy, but Hey, they're playing the Rams next. And and I think this is a very tough part of the Cowboys schedule that was already going to be tough pre Dak injury. And especially now uh, with Cooper Russian, it's, it's still a tough game, no matter what the Rams, obviously a huge contender um, to to make sure that the Cowboys don't win this game if uh, they have any say in it. And and so what do you think, based on what you saw on Sunday's game and what you've seen the past couple of weeks, do the Cowboys really need to hone in on in order to make themselves a contender to win this game? Because they're going in there, the underdogs, and everybody knows that. They know that. The Rams know that. What do they have to key in on to make sure they come out with a win? Uh, for one, uh, ignore the noise. Uh, I think uh, as a team going into this game, uh, it's definitely a fact-finding mission because whether we beat the Rams now, we'll still have to play them in January. <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's a, a fact-finding mission going out and just continue to establish our identity on defense, you know, and continue to find our way on offense. Uh, I don't I don't think we have really just found our niche on offense. Uh, I think it's coming. You know, I think it's coming as far as red zone. I think that's an area of growth that we, we definitely got to have is getting down the red zone and getting seven instead of three. 
But other than that, uh, I wouldn't put too much into this game, you know. But, of course, the Cowboys fans are. But it's definitely, like I said, a a fact-finding mission to figure out who are we against, you know, contenders. Because the biggest thing was, oh, we'll beat this team, but when it's time to play a big team, you know, we're going to drop the ball. We're we're not going to be successful. So I think just getting that mark off our back and just going out and and competing and playing Dallas Cowboys football and continuing to establish our identity, being able to be physical. You know, and being a physical team, you got to be able to run the football. And going against the Rams, that's going to be tough to do. But we can go out and establish our identity and, and play physical football, run the football, win, lose, or draw. If we establish our identity and it's on display, I, I think it's a successful day. And not even just the Rams, but you look at ahead uh, another week and you have the Philadelphia Eagles coming yeah. up. And Mike McCarthy said uh, last week that when you win these division games, it's almost like you're winning two games because right. you're winning in your overall record and you're also winning it within the division. For me, what I've been sort of preaching and seeing is that it seems like that the kryptonite for Dallas's defense is uh, a mobile quarterback and the up-tempo offense, and that's something yeah. that Eagles do really, really well, and that's their strength. So what's an area that they can improve on that you're kind of seeing where it might give them an opportunity to beat a team like the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, as, as far as from the defensive side of the ball is, is man, for right now, they're, they're playing lights out on defense. Uh, again, making the makeables, making the makeables, tackling. Uh, I personally think our run defense could, 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 could be a little stiffer, you know, uh, but because teams think that team think that they can run the football against us. So just sharing that up on offense and then, of course, continue doing what we do on offense, uh, taking shots. I think with MG being back, we got a guy that can definitely go stretch the field and with with the big playability, so as he get his feet wet, get his feet back under him, I think uh, with that, I think that's when the big plays are gonna come on the offensive side of the ball. Because if you look at it, you look at MG and say, okay, cool, he had really three big plays, and I've counted those two pass interferences. You know, those two pass interferences are, are, are really big plays, and that just shows his big playability. Then of course his touchdown as well. So I think just those guys just continue building on what we've been building on. Everybody supporting supporting Cooper Rush, still playing behind Cooper Rush. And running the football, coming out running the football with, with Zeke and Tony Pollard and allowing those guys to do what they do best and not trying to make Zeke Pollard or Pollard Zeke. I love that. I love that you mentioned that because that is so vital for Cowboys fans to hear sometimes. But all right. So we had you prepare your top 10 rankings for us. Yeah. And we do this every week here on the plot the writer's block podcast, because it's just so much fun. And Brandon and I like to throw a little bit of a, a curveball every now and then. And I may or may not have one for both of you. So Brandon, you already know how this goes. This is uh, really your niche to announce all of this. So let us have it. Who are we announcing first? Well, I have to start with uh, an honorable mention of mine. Um, I, I got to give some credit to Britt Brown. You know, he was able, and I know he's not a player, but, you know, the job he was able to do, not only to get Michael Gallup back, and I'm sure we'll all have him on a list somewhere, um, but Dalton Schultz came back from injury. Connor McGovern came back. These are all starters, and while Schultz didn't have the best statistical day um, and McGovern struggled a little bit, you're asking these guys to come back off of injury and perform at an elite level. Yeah. It's not it's not a, uh, an easy thing to do. So to see them come back, I give him a you know, big round of applause. And, and when Michael Gallup scored that touchdown, it was awesome to see on the sidelines how his biggest cheerleader has been Britt Brown. They kind of gave each other like a big warm hug, and that was awesome to see. So uh, Britt Brown's an honorable mention, but 10, 9, and 8 for me, I have Neville Gallimore. 
Um, you know, he had the sack and he actually improved from last week to this week. Run defense was a little bit of his weak spot against the Giants, but he stepped up, had a great game. Micah Parsons, I put at nine, which a lot of people will probably give me a lot of flack for. Um, but, you know, he, he was under a lot of double team pressure yesterday and the offense really kind of took him out of the game, which allowed other guys to step up, which will be higher on the list. But he's still applying pressure at an unbelievable rate and he's still a catalyst and um, one of our writers for the blog and the boys network uh he said that he's like gravity he pulls all the players towards him so for me you have to put that on a top 10 list and number eight i have demarcus lawrence i mean he won over 30 percent of his past rush attempts i mean the guy's just been unstoppable for two weeks so i got to give him his flowers too Ooh, i love that okay so my number 10 i had mg13 welcome back we missed you <laughs> so much and i would have had him higher up but i'm not going to penalize him for the small amount of reps that he had because i want him to you know ramp up as as he feels comfortable physically to get back to his full set of reps so i put him at 10 only for that reason uh at number nine i had tank you already mentioned i mean d law just being d law i think we're seeing a very vintage form d law these last couple of weeks and i am so excited to continue seeing him build upon that um i, I feel like he's the leader uh, of this defense he's the the general and and i know that's sean lee so don't get it twisted <laughs> i'm just saying he is he is the general of of, of his uh of his soldiers with within the defense and and he really takes that role serious. And, and I just, I really think his presence so impactful. Um, and then I had Noah Brown next. And I know you're shocked he's so low. I know. I promise there's reason behind my madness. There's a little method here. But Noah Brown, I mean, just incredible. We, we go back to this guy's been on our list for the last couple yeah. of weeks we've been doing this. He's not anybody we expected to have on our list. And he's not anybody that anybody uh expected to perform like he is um and, and i think if you watched football from a smarter pres uh, point of view you knew he was a a breakout star waiting to happen right so it hasn't been surprising but it's been amazing to see how he grows and grows every single week i mean this guy continues to uh, to impress so those are my next three pt who you have for 10 9 and 8 Oh, man, I got to go to my notes on my phone, and mine are a totally different from you guys. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's what no, we like. So, uh, we like to hear it. Uh, at 10, I have Dante Fowler. You know, I have – Oh, I wow. Think, okay. Yeah, I think that's got it that, that's making splashes and, and showing that he can really play on this level. So, again, uh, especially with his team, uh, especially what he showed uh, yesterday. So, Dante Fowler is at number 10. Number 9, I got the punter now. You know, I got to have my special teams guys in there. You know, outside of the shank punt anger, man, he – he definitely flipped the field for Dallas. You know, when, when, when the offense wasn't rolling, you know your defense is good. So when you got a punter that can flip the field for you, that's huge. You know, so anger. Then at, at eight, I got Diggs. And I, I have my reason for having Diggs so low. But, again, uh, a lot of things that goes, that, that goes into play of why I have Diggs there, but then Diggs would be at number eight. So Dante Fowler, anger, and then uh, Diggs at eight. You, you mentioned Fowler. He's a guy that I had on my list originally, and you're, you're right. He, 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 every week I think he deserves more and more reps. You know, And yeah. I understand that development is key, and Sam Williams deserves to get his, his fair share of reps. But for me, Dante Fowler has shown up and gotten better each yeah. and every week, and I think that him being a pass rush specialist, you know, it, it's important to get him on the field, especially if Mike is getting double teams. So I agree Correct. with you there. Uh, Diggs, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> but for me, when it comes to 7, 6, and 5, at 7, I have Deron Bland. I mean, this guy being a rookie 
it, he was told in pregame, hey, listen, bud, Jordan Lewis is out. You're stepping in. And he took zero snaps over the previous three weeks, and then he played 59 defensive st- uh, snaps. So that was huge for me. Uh, and also, too, he got the interception, you know, towards the end of the game, which was huge. Um, at six, I have Brett Maher. The guy, we've talked about him. Listen, we love ourselves some Dan Bailey. Uh, <laughs> Jess and I, we're not only big Romo fans, but we're also big Dan Bailey fans. And Brett Maher is almost like you're putting Bailey in the rearview mirror. Uh, he's been the definition of consistency at the kicker position. And when he came in in 2019, you know, and it, he just struggled. And, and everybody was like, man, this guy, he's, he can't kick. Um, but the second time around, second time's a charm. The guy's been uh, an unstoppable force. He's third in the NFL with 35 points, which is awesome. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. And then at number five, I have Michael Gallup. Uh, the, the task of him coming back from the ACL, I, I love the fact that last week when he felt like he wasn't ready, it was on his timeline. You know, there wasn't any pressure for him to play last week, get the risk of injury. He came in with the right mindset, and he just balled out. And like you mentioned earlier, the penalty yardage was huge. And that's something that's like those hidden yards where he's a deep threat. And, you know, you throw up that 50-50 ball, you, your guy's either going to catch it or you're going to get a penalty. Yeah, yeah. And that crew who was uh, refereeing the game, they were uh, one of the highest rated um you know, referee crews when it comes to calling pass interference calls. So, you know, it's something that probably the coaching staff saw and was like, hey, listen, we just need to take a shot here. They're probably going to call it. And they did twice. Um, so those are the guys who I have for seven, six, and five. And on top of that, too, I, I, we don't like the Giants too much on here. Uh, Michael Gallup was, you know, recovering from an ACL injury and already has a touchdown. Kenny Galladay, unfortunately, doesn't have any. Um, and he's, I, I think he's just a victim of the system, but I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Seven. Um, I, I believe we had the same number seven. I had Deron Bland uh, as well. I mean, this guy, I, I loved his post-game interview. He talks about how he kind of blacked out and didn't even realize what had just happened when he had that interception. And I love that. That to me just shows how honed in he is on, on just trying to get the ball, right? So uh, number seven, I have Deron Bland. Number six, I have Malik Hooker. I think Malik Hooker is somebody that has continuously shown us, even throughout preseason, that he is not a player that you want to sleep on by any means. I mean, he was continuing to put the pressure on during this entire entire game when i tell you i have about six pages worth of notes i kept underlining malik 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 and and again i just the improvement from these guys is just incredible to me and and the growth that they're continuing to do when they're already producing is is scary um not for me but for any uh any offenses they have to face obviously um and then number five i had micah parsons and uh micah you know last week we know he was dealing with a bit of a cold he was a little sick uh didn't still produce right it's Micah Parsons he's still going to put on the pressure but what I really liked about Micah this week is he just seemed 10 times more focused and and that says a lot for Micah Parsons he was trying to eyeball Carson Wentz I mean you go back and you look at some of that film a lot of these things that had happened I mean the interception um we'll we'll talk about digs later on in my list unlike PTs um but a lot of those things were able to happen because of the pressure that Micah is putting on and the versatility that he has between every single play I mean the commanders did not know where he was going to be and that was very obvious during this game so I had Micah there at number five PT who you got all right, coming in at and the next guy is D Law. D Law, uh, I have D Law at that uh, that six spot. Let me see. Yeah, no, 
nine, ten, eight, seven, six. Yeah, D Law is at six. Again, what what he's doing in the run game is unbelievable. Now we know, we know who he is as a pass rusher, but he as far as them stopping the run, he he he's a big reason for that. And then coming in at five, man, I got MG. Again, he came back in showing his big playability, and that you can tell that he was on on a pitch count, you know. But the plays that he was in, he definitely made an impact. So I got MG at five. After uh, at four, I got CD Lamb. You know, CD Lamb at four, he's really uh, coming into it, uh, catching the football, playing well, and, and giving us that spark that, that that definitely we need at the receiver spot. So again, I know folks that say, "Oh man, why is CD so low?" But once you see my other guys, you'll understand why. So again, I got Diggs, D Law. Oh no, uh, yeah, Diggs. Diggs was at seven. So D Law, MG, and then CD would be my next three. Uh, see, I knew I liked you. For me, I had Michael Gallup at five, like I mentioned, and I have CD at four. Uh, yeah. You know, he he, you know, being able to play off of what happened last week and how everybody was, you know, dogging him for dropping that really catchable pass um, in the Giants game, but he came back, rebounded, and had an awesome game. Had the touchdown, uh, and then also to you know on Sunday he had a great great game he had 97 yards six catches a touchdown the guy is now forming into this number one role and I don't think we're going to hear for the rest of the season any complaints about CD Lamb at three I have Cooper Rush uh the guy he's uh you know we mentioned the general he's uh also like a general um he had according to next gen stats a quarterback rating of 95.9 and I looked this up it's higher than Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray I don't think anybody uh, saw that coming and on top of that I also looked up as well Rodgers has a contract for five years worth 150 million Kyler Murray signed a contract five years for 230 million a million Cooper Rush one year just a little over 1 million I mean the guy's producing at an elite type level and while he's not getting the yardage or, you know, throwing eight touchdowns a game, I think we see a quarterback for Washington that's a liability when it comes to turning the ball over when it counts. And the fact that Rush, now he did throw two interceptions that were negated by penalties, but again, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. He can improve in certain spots, and I think that that's one area where he's just trying to do too much. He threw off his back foot, so I won't dog him too much for that, but I just look at the guy, he doesn't turn the ball over, and that's something as a backup quarterback you really need to have, and he has it. Uh, and then at two, I have Donovan Wilson. The guy is playing at an, a Pro Bowl level. I spoke about it in the pre-halftime and post-game on the Twitter space for blogging the boys. And he finished the game with nine tackles, eight solo, and one that would have been a sack if Carson Wentz didn't escape. And, you know, last year, Curse led the uh, Cowboys in the defense in tackles. And right now, Donovan Wilson is doing that. And normally people would say, oh, when a safety leads the team in tackles, that means the running backs are getting to the second level. No, these guys want to get in the box. They want to tackle. These guys are not afraid of physicality. Donovan Wilson is an old school type player where he will hit you hard. I think he I forget what player he hit, but he hit him like a missile. It was insane. Um, so I got to give Donovan Wilson some love at number two. Yeah. Okay. I think for the first time ever on this podcast, we all are in agreement for number four. Um, I don't think that's happened yet. I don't think we've all been in agreement at any point. So PT, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> we all matched at number four. I had CD lamb and something that was really impressive was it was Dallas's third drive of the game. And he had three consecutive catches uh, within that drive. And it was just like Cooper Rush was throwing the ball perfectly to him, a perfectly placed ball, a perfect catch. Those three yards, and mind you, this is Dallas's third drive in the first quarter, um, 56 yards, 
that is amazing. And, and it just, just is a testament for if CD is going to get the ball, he's going to make a big play and, and uh, he's not going to drop the ball. I, I mean, really he, what I loved about his post game uh, stuff from last week was he mentioned, I was so focused on it. I was so bothered by it. And, and uh, you know, Trayvon was talking to him saying like, it's okay. I got you. We're, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through it. So CD's redemption. I, I mean, Hey, see it. So I had CD at number four. Uh, Brandon, you and I actually have the exact same list at the top over here. It looks uh, like, because we like it. We like number it. three, I had, I know we've never done this before. Um, CD, I had four Cooper rush. I had number three and here's the thing. Cooper rush is exactly what you need your backup quarterback to be. But I think also people forget about how long he's been around the Cowboys. And, and I think that's so important when you look at the success that he's having and, and PT touched on this earlier. I mean, Cooper Rush has been around the scheme. He's been around the changes. He's been around every single thing, the highs and lows with all of these guys around him. He should be playing at this caliber. And if he wasn't, that would be an issue. He should be playing at the caliber he's playing and his composure, his, uh, his versatility as a quarterback to, you know, uh, maybe not as great as a starting quarterback, right? But to sit there and, and call off the play and, and, and change the play, read it. He's even at one point, I was looking at one of the uh, one of the plays. He's in line at one point. And the, it's just incredible, his awareness as a quarterback. I mean, he's everything you need your backup to be. So I had uh, Cooper Rush at number three. Number two, I had Donovan Wilson because Donovan Wilson, oh my goodness, sir. I'm riding so hard on the Donovan Wilson train. I'm not mad at him for last week's penalty anymore, by the way. I would just like to clear that up. I'm no longer mad at any of them for penalties because they only had four during this game. And really what you saw was the opposite of Washington really defeating themselves in terms of penalties. Washington had 11 penalties during this game and in their first three games, they had 12 penalties in total. So to me, that shows the productivity of the Cowboys and how many of those they were actually getting them to call uh, an honorable mention for that was LVE. He was getting a lot of those offsides, offsides penalties called. Um, it, it was, it was pretty cool to see. So those are my next three. Who do we have? Next, who is our number one, everybody? Or PT, you still have to give us your, your next one, right? Yeah, so so I actually got to go 4-3-2. Uh, yeah, before I got Donovan Wilson. Um, when I say this is a kid that's uh, – I don't think I don't think how he's playing is surprising. Uh, I don't think it is. Like, watching his tape, it, it was – I was able to sit down in the draft room. We was watching this guy. And one thing we said was well, he's a physical ball player. I think the surprising part to the staff is when he got there was how much of a ball guy he was. Everywhere the football was, he was. He was a turnover machine. He was scooping fumbles. He was making interceptions. So I think that was one of the biggest things that jumped off as he got better and better as a player because he can do it both. He can go play deep middle safety. He can come down to play in the box. So Donovan Wilson uh, is at four. At three, I got Brett Maher. All right? I got, I got Brett at three. And the, the reason why I got Brett at three is because when you can drive down and you still come out with points, that, that, that's, that's, that's paramount now. For him to put those points on the board consistently, that means a lot. And it gives a lot of confidence into that offensive coordinator as well as the defense, knowing that when Brett goes out there, he's, he's points going to be on the board. It's going to be a point-producing unit. And then just a belief in him. Uh, again, just a funny story. I, I was in that room to make, sit in that room making that decision you know, uh, of Brett over Dan Bailey. 
So uh, as, as a special team coach on the staff at that time, man, that was a big decision to make. And, again, uh, Brett didn't play as well as we wanted him to, but we knew what he had in him. And for, for Dallas, that scout, again, that scouting department is, is big time to be able to bring him back and the dividends that he's paying now. So I'm definitely to see, uh, happy to see Brett. Uh, yeah, to see Brett. At number two, all right. So am I at number two now? Am I doing this right? Yes, you are. Yep. Yeah. So so at number two, <laughs> I got Neville Gallimore at two. Wow. I got him That's at a surprise. Two. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Why? Because for one, the belly boys never get much attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but what this guy is doing down there in the run game and pass game is 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 creating chaos for offenses. You know, one thing as an offense, you want to make sure that you're your interior is secure, your A-gap and things like that. But what he's doing is, is really causing chaos, and he's such a gritty player, man. He reminds me of uh, uh, Big Woods, you know, when Woods came in and, and, and he was just a menace down there in the A-gap. And I think he has more pass rush ability than Wood have, but he's also in the run game, he's a force too. So seeing him down there just causing chaos in the A-gap and, and, and getting sacks and tackle for losses, so – uh, he, he's my guy for number two, Neville Gallimore. Uh, you bring up Gallimore again. Uh, I know I had him lower on my list, but this is a guy where in the preseason, everybody on Twitter for the Cowboys Nation was like, why is this guy playing in the second half yeah. of, of preseason games? And apparently the coaching staff wanted to see more because of the injury and everything. So he was almost like a guy on the outside looking in. But the fact is he came back and responded like what we talked about from the Giants game to uh, on Sunday. And he just he's been, at, like you said, a consistent force. And he has a little bit more of a pass rush ability. He also reminds me a little bit of Malik Collins when he was here, too. You know, they kind of have like a similar build pass rush ability. So you're right. The big boys need respect, too. And I also want to mention, you know, on my number one, um, I'll get to it in a little bit, but also the offensive line. I think I didn't have anybody on my list on the offensive line, but they had a tough task with defending, uh, you know, the, the pass rush of the Washington Commanders. That is a tough unit to face. They have first round picks across the board and those are good players. It's not like they're just throwing darts at the board and these first round picks aren't hitting. They are really, really good players. So I want to give them just a little bit of a shout out again, the big boys uh, and Tyler Smith has, you know, uh, progressed significantly. Um, so that's great to see. But my number one guy, I have Trayvon Diggs. Uh, the guy not only had an interception that was like a, a wide receiver running a route, um, he leads the league in pass breakups with six. He's tied with the league lead in two interceptions. But on top of that, you know, Terry McLaurin got the contract. He's the guy in Washington. Held him to just one catch for six yards on two targets and 17 routes. The guy was just locked down uh, on Sunday. So I have to give Trayvon Diggs credit. And on top of that, when we've talked about him before, he's developing into a well-rounded cornerback. You know, everybody, they were bringing up the stat again. And I don't want to hear that anymore, how he gives up the most yards of the NFL. To me, that does not matter. If you're going to take the ball away and you're going to be a, a defender and a willing tackler at the cornerback position – Give up as many yards as you want, as long as it's not a touchdown for me. That's all that matters. And to see against the Bengals how he had that crucial stop on third down, he's just developing into a well-rounded guy, and he's elevated his level of play. And when Dan Quinn was talking about these guys, he said Micah and Diggs have actually elevated their play this season. It's like, how much better can these guys get? Well, we're seeing it on the field, and Diggs was a shutdown guy on Sunday. 
I don't think we've done this before. Uh, again, Brandon, number one, I had Trayvon Diggs. Carson Wentz could not digs it. I mean, let's just call it uh, what it is. And Well done. And well you done. love to see that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I know I didn't create that, but that's just been my favorite. I had a running list last season of all the quarterbacks that could not digs it. I think I need to start that again uh, this season. But you know what? I think something that... Obviously, we saw Trayvon just being the absolute prime Trayvon, who his wide receiver background was really, really showing and shining through. But something that I wanted to note, too, was I think the key drive that changed the trajectory of this entire game was because of Trayvon Diggs. It was uh, fourth and 15 in the fourth quarter. Mind you, Washington had the lead at this point of the game. And that pass breakup that he had in the end zone to avoid a touchdown situation that could have potentially gotten the Cowboys in a bit of a rut to have to come back from, he stopped that. And I think anytime you have a difference maker on your team that is going to make you feel more secure in a fourth down situation. I mean, that was a fourth and 15 for the commanders that they had to go for. They almost had it and had Trayvon not had the body awareness that he had where to bat that ball. That would have been an easy touchdown for them at that point. And so I think he obviously was just a difference maker. I think he changed the course of this entire game with how he was playing. So all the good things you said, Brandon, and then even more because any quarterback that cannot digs it is just uh, it's a good week when when you have that. PT, who did you have at number one? I'm <laughs> again. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is a great player. Uh, he, and he and he's playing lights out. But again, uh, I feel that he's able to breathe and be more comfortable when you know that number eleven is on the field. So my number one guy is, is Michael Parsons. Now, uh, I think. My other nine guys reap the benefits of number 11. Uh, when number 11 is on the grass, he's what he demands from an offensive line, from offensive coordinators, the attention that he demands allows guys to be able to go out and just play, play freely. Uh, Diggs know that it's not going to be – the ball's got to come out fast. At some point, the football's going to come out. That's why Diggs can play a little more aggressive. He can jump routes. He can do things like that because he know where my, he know Michael Parson is in the game, and he's going to demand what he demands. Same thing with D-Law. Same thing with Gallimore. Same thing with all those Donovan Wilson. Those guys can come down and play more loose and more free, knowing the attention that 11's going to demand. So even when 11 is not, per se, making the tackles, you know, if it's double teams, it's getting pressure, just getting collapsed in the pocket and, when quarterbacks see 11, when they feel 11, it's let me get the ball out as fast as I can because I know the guys in front of me is not going to be able to hold up much longer. You know, so again, just being able to see him, the mental capacity, uh, it's, it's, it's hard, let alone playing one position, but to be able to play three in one game, you know, it says a lot about a second year player now. You know, this is, this is just a second year player to be able to go play both both uh, sides of the line, to be able to stand up inside, to be able to stand up back, or to be able to go play the slot, uh, for him to be able to lock those schemes in. And, again, like I, I always go back to week one last year when Tom Brady had him kind of like spinning and he was just busting defensive plays. That guy, it, it, that's not him anymore. So for him to lock in and, and learn his defense, learn the best defense, learn it from different uh, 
positions. That's why he he's definitely the number one for me. And then seeing him doing it yesterday just at, at a high level at every spot that he lined up at. And, and he's taking shots. You know, he's taking shots. People's chipping him, but he's still getting back up and playing at such a high level. Uh, it's just so physical, man. So, not number eleven is definitely my guy, Michael Parsons. Jess, I think I think we're going to be losing our jobs here on the podcast because all the fans that we have are going to love uh, PT's list over ours, keeping Parsons at number one. The one question before we end, um, I wanted to ask you, PT, is do you have a specific memory with either a player or a coach that you take with you throughout your career and now being a coach, whether it's working with Kitna, is it a JG moment, uh, maybe a Sean Lee moment, um, anything that you you look back on in your career and this is something that you carry with you. Every Every time you're you're coaching those kids in high school, oh Jason Witten, uh, Jason Witten, you know, and it, it was so much about Wit. Uh, I remember I was in a training room one day. How Wit went about his day, I never told him when he was in the league, but I just watched him from afar. Everything that he did when I first time I stepped in the league, he told me, "Make sure you're showing up on the right side of the tape every night when those coaches watch tape." I never knew what that meant until I start coaching. So when I started coaching, it was a, in a league, it was a constant evaluation. Every night we would watch tape and evaluate our players. And Witt would tell me, show up on the right side of that tape. Everything he did, I was in the training room for a hamstring. He told me, PT, if you can walk, you can run. And that's one of the toughest guys. Went through the spleen, went through the broken jaw. Just not going to miss games. One of the toughest guys to play the game. So just Jason Witten is, is, is when he told me, funny story, so before every game, before every practice, I'm like, how did this guy do it day in and day out, just at a relentless effort all the time? So I seen him throw some a pill package in the trash can. So I went over in the training room, literally. I looked in the trash can to see what it was. It was two ibuprofen and two Advils. Every day after that, I took two ibuprofen and two Advils. Every day, you know, just be, if, if it worked for Witten, it was going to work for me. So just just what he did for the game and how he was and how competitive he was, you know, uh, just some of the memories of, of what he did and how he did it. That's the guy that I enjoy with playing the most, you know, and just being around the most because he was a, a, a top pick guy. But every every year he came to training camp as if he was going to lose his job. You know, he was there in the offseason. He was there in the offseason with – you go and look in the way room. It's me, Lance Dunbar, and Jason Witten. Me and Lance got to be in there. <laughs> we were bubble guys, you know. But for Jason Witten to, to to be around a program like that and pour into that program, and then to even come back in that organization is it, it, truly remarkable. And I don't think it's a better better guy I play with that embodies the, just the word grit, you know, in in, in everything you do outside of uh, Jason Witten. You know, even the arm sleeves. You know, I couldn't wear the sleeve, but I wore my tape high just so it'd be like Jason Witten. But that, that was the guy I looked up to the most and I admired the most uh, as far as, like, how he went about his business, how he went about his day. Nothing was never too hard for Witt. You know, he, he was never going to come out the game. He was never going to be too tired. He, and he just just missed the reliable and everything that he did. Well, you definitely just won all of us over. I mean, uh, Brandon and I really have bonded in being the millennial kind of fans, right? So these are our guys. You're talking about all of our guys that that really got us into football. And uh, it's funny because you keep saying Wit, and my dog's name is Wit. So Wit's like, what's up? Like, what's going on? So, uh, no, we love that. It's, it's such a great thing when, you know, Football becomes more than just a sport. And I think you embody that so perfectly. You're using your platform to give back to to kids that essentially are our future. We appreciate that. And and uh, you're installing these incredible, incredible mindsets within them to be successful 
beyond the sport. And and so I think what you're doing is absolutely incredible. I think you have such a incredible mind that uh, we are so lucky to get to talk to you and, and be able to pick at that. So PT, you are welcome back on this podcast anytime you want to come and give us a power ranking. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk to us today. It's been incredible to, to hear everything you had to say. No, I definitely appreciate it. Like I said, whenever you guys need me, I, I, I jump right back on. And, and, and we're under that one hour, too, so I'm, I'm excited, man. <laughs> hey, well, where can the people find you if they want to see your fire tweets? Because yeah, yeah, most definitely. Fire. Yeah, so on Twitter, man, I'm on there. Uh, I'm not going to do too much arguing, but I'll sit there and I'll have a, a respectful discourse. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, like, uh, <laughs> again, I'm at, uh, at ptowner34 on Twitter. You know, that, that's my Twitter handle at, at ptowner34. Perfect. PT, thank you so much. Cowboys Nation, go enjoy the rest of your Victory Tuesday. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Writer's Block. We'll see you next week. Appreciate it. 